Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. You know, some of you this morning, you might be sitting here or standing here thinking, you know, uh, this is unusual. (laughs) I've never been in church like this before. (laughs) Yeah, we're the church that's a little different. We're the church with the difference. (laughs) Yeah, amen. There is something different about the atmosphere of his presence. Amen. You can be seated. There, there, There is something different. You know, it's like Song of Solomon. You read Song of Solomon in church, most churches today, and they're like, what are you doing, pastor? We don't read from Song of Solomon. That's, that's mushy. That's gushy stuff. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I had someone tell me one time, I don't want to talk like Jesus is my boyfriend. He's not my boyfriend. He's my husband. I'm, I'm the bride of Christ. I, I'm, I am the bride of Christ. You say, that's weird, Pastor. No, I, I'm confident enough as a man to say I am part of the bride of Christ. There's nothing wrong with that. He loves me. He's the lover of my soul. I don't care what you think. I can be mushy. He's the lover of he rescued my he rescued me out of the pit. It's okay to be happy about that. <laughs> you know, but sometimes I, I realize sometimes we have we you know, we're not used to feasting, you know, if you're not used to feasting on on the delicacies of heaven, it is different. You know, you're you know, if you're used to cool whip religion, Right? If you're used to Cool Whip religion, you stick your finger in, there's nothing but air. And you, you know, you just, you know, that's, you just give me a little bit of Cool Whip, Pastor, I'll be happy. You know, if that's all you're used to, you, you pull up to a table where there's delicacies. You know, you have some big old sweet pralines sitting in front of you. You take a big bite of that sweet praline, it's like, mmm. You know, there's one in New Orleans, there's one place we'll go to get our pralines. There's, you can't, they have pralines everywhere, but there's one place, Southern Candy Makers. Man, you go, you walk into that place and it's, it is the, it is the candy lover's nightmare. It's like you walk in and it's, I've walked into heaven. (laughs) You stop at the door and it just captivates you. You know, it's kind of like church. You walk in, and if you're, you know, oh, Jesus is here today. I can smell him. And then you pull up to the table where he spread a feast, and it's like you're going up, you know, and you walk up to the counter, and those, those wonderful people behind the counter, they know what they're doing. Would you like a sample? Would you like a sample of our, of our original praline? Well, I'm no fool. Of course I want a sample. I want about 10 of them. Oh, yes. Right, Jenna? You know. Give me all of them. So they give you these little, you know, nice little square pieces of 
Mmm, that's so good. How many would you like? <laughs> I'd like two or three dozen. Thank you. <laughs> Give me a couple of pounds of those things. You know, and you're eating them before you get out of the store. It's the same way, you know. There, we, we are created to delight ourselves in the Lord. And I just want to encourage you, you know, delight yourself fully in God. There, there is no restraint when it comes to delighting yourself in God. Delighting yourself, you know, everything in life, you know, is, is done with moderation and everything we do. You have to eat in moderation. Man, you know, if you, eat, if you sit down and you eat all the steak, you, we went someplace the other day and they said, oh, we have a 32-ounce steak. I'm like, 32-ounce steak? What? Who, in, who on earth could eat a 32-ounce steak? I mean, you know, I'm like, Lord, have mercy. You know, but I kind of wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to try, you know, I wanted to give it a shot. You know, everything we have to do and, and be aware of our, of our natural limitation. You know, you're going to get sick if you eat that 32-ounce steak. I don't care who you are. You're going to fill it the next day. And, uh, you know, so, but Jesus... The kingdom of God, enjoying Jesus, there is no moderation. There is no, you, there is no level to say, oh, you've reached your fill. You can't have any more of God for the day. You're, you're on full. You can't have any more of God today. No, you just keep filling up. Keep taking in. Keep receiving. And the more you receive, the more you expand and increase to receive more of Him in the future. You just keep growing. And you keep overflowing. You know, that's the point, you know. Why do we saturate? Why do we, why do we take time to lay hands on people? Why do we, why do we preach and teach saturation? It, well, it affects your life. Your life has changed. But then there's overflow and, and the world around you. So that's, that's awesome. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Revelation chapter 5. We're going to start there in just a moment. But I, I'm just going to bounce around today and give you some scripture. I want to take a look at the heavenly man of Jesus today. The heavenly man, Jesus, the man of God, Christ has come. I want us to take a look today at Jesus sitting, ministering today in heaven. You know, if I were to ask you, what is Jesus doing right now? You know, many of us might think, if you, if you were to go around and survey people, what is Jesus doing right now? You know, some people might tell you, well, he's building me a mansion. He's, you know, we've got this idea of Jesus the carpenter working away in heaven, building a mansion for us. You know, you've, what's Jesus doing right now? He's sitting on a throne surrounded by little fat cherub angels playing their harps. And that's our idea, right? That's our idea of Jesus. You know, if you, if you get the really spiritual crowd, they'll say, well, Jesus came and he was our savior. He died on a cross. He resurrected. You may get, you may get some of the spiritual talking about his ascension and, and that he's ascended into heaven. But, but beyond that, we don't ever really give it any thought what Jesus is doing right now. He's very active. He's not just sitting on a throne surrounded by cherub angels. Jesus is very busy, very active. He's engaged right now. Matter of fact, Revelation chapter 5 gives us kind of a sneak peek at what Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, is doing in heaven. In Revelation chapter 5, 
So I wept much, John the Revelator is weeping much, because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood Not the lion of the tribe of Judah, but the lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And he came, and he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Here's an incredible picture, and I I could preach all day just on this verse. I'm not going to stop there, but, but here is an incredible picture of Jesus, the Son of God, who is at the right hand of the Father, who is portrayed as the conquering lion, the one who roars and the enemies bow before him. Every chain at the name of Jesus is broken. Here is the lion of the tribe of Judah who has conquered death, hell, and the grave. And when John turns to look, he sees the lamb as though it had been slain. Yeah, the the multifaceted, the diverse nature of Jesus is portrayed here in this verse. He is the lion and yet he's the lamb. But what is Jesus doing right now? What's happening in heaven right now? Scripture gives us Four or five things that I want to take a look at. We'll see how far we get today. But he's the captain of our salvation. He's ruling all things. He's our heavenly intercessor. He's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And he's awaiting the marriage feast. First off, he's the captain of our salvation. Hebrews chapter 2 verses 10 through 11 says, For it was fitting that he for whom... And by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Jesus, the, the other, another translation here or other translations, instead of saying the founder of our salvation or founder of our faith is the captain of our salvation. He is the leader of our salvation. Hebrews 12 2 says looking to Jesus looking unto Jesus the founder and the perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God he is the captain of our salvation he is the author of our salvation your salvation today is secure in Jesus Christ Amen. It's not based on your good works or your efforts. Your salvation is founded in Christ. And today, He is in heaven ruling, leading your salvation. Isn't it good to know that you are not the one in charge of your salvation? You would have done messed it up. Jesus is the one who is leading. He is the captain of the army. He is the leader, the captain of your salvation. He is sanctifying you today. Being that He is the captain, He is the leader of our salvation. He is sanctifying you. He is perfecting you. He is developing you, changing you from glory to glory. Changing your life. Making you into His image. Secondly, He's ruling all things. In Hebrews chapter 1, 
verses 1 through 4. Hopefully media is going to catch up with me and get these on the screen for you. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4 says this, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us, has in these last days spoken to us, by who? By His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things. He's ruling all things, but we'll get there. He is the heir of all things. Jesus has been appointed heir of all things. What does that mean for you and I? Let me just pause there. That means that every spiritual blessing is brought and maintained by Jesus Christ for your life. Being that He is ruling all things, He is ruling every blessing that is available to you. He is making every spiritual blessing that pertains to your life available to you. Amen. Well, that's good to know. Well, I'm, I'm glad that nobody's controlling, ruling the blessings of the Lord from my life. What does that mean for you individually? That means the blessing of the Lord. What is the blessing of the Lord for your life? Justification. He's ruling over the justification of your life. The spiritual gifts are being ruled over by Christ with regards to your life. Every blessing, monetary blessing, every spiritual blessing, everything that you need, Christ is ruling with regards to your life. He's not shocked regarding the current state of your life. Is anybody hear what I'm saying this morning? Am I just preaching to the cinder block and the black back wall? Does anybody hear what I'm saying? Is Christ ruling over the circumstances of your life or is he not? He's the heir of all things. Every spiritual blessing, every gift is available to you in Christ Jesus. And verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things. Everybody say all things. He's upholding all things by the word of his power. And we, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than he. He is upholding all things by the word of his power. Everything in this universe is upheld by the authority of Christ. There's not one thing that's in absolute disarray in your life. He is upholding all all things. You say, well, it sure doesn't look like it. I, I wish this would change and that way. He's upholding all things. He's directing and ordering the steps of your life. The steps of the righteous are ordered by God. He's directing and ordering the steps of your life. Every aspect of your life, He's the head of. Your family, He's the head of. Your finances, He's the head of. Your job, He's the head of. Your life, He is the head of and ruling all things. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says this in verse 20, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And He put all things, everybody say all things, all things. 
under his feet and gave him to be head over all things with regards to the church. Jesus is over all things concerning your life and he is over all things regarding his church. He is the head of his church. He's ruling over his church. You know, sometimes we can sit back and say, man, the church is in pretty bad shape. Jesus is still head over his church. It's still, it ain't going anywhere. Church isn't going anywhere. Well, I don't like this and that. Jesus is still the head of his church. Well, I wish they had different color pews. Jesus is still head of the church. I wish we did too. I was informed that this color purple is coming back in style last weekend. I didn't know that. Jesus is the head of his church. It doesn't matter what style or what you like or don't like. Jesus is still the head of his church. He's ruling all things. He's ruling the government. And the government is upon his shoulders. I don't like who's in office. Tough. Jesus is still ruling the government. And he's working it out. Guess what? He's working it out for his final plan. We do our part as citizens, but guess who's ruling it all right now? He's moving the puzzle pieces of what ruler is in what nation, at what time, and what they're doing. He's working out his plan in this earth and wrapping things up, I believe, very soon. But, but he's, he's ruling all things by the word of his power. There's not one thing outside of his control. He uses imperfect men to complete his perfect work. He's directing and ordering the steps of your life. He's directing and ordering the steps of this country. He's directing and ordering the steps of your family. He's directing and ordering the steps of our nation and the nations of this world. And of his government and his peace, there will be no end. He's setting the stage, friend. He's setting the stage for a day where he will rule the nations. There's coming a day, there's coming a day where he will rule the nations and we will rule and reign with him. If you can't listen, if you can't learn to rule and reign now in, in spiritual authority, how are you going to rule and reign in the age to come? Let me just pause for a moment. If you can't understand, you know, just basic principles of doctrine and the word of God and the principles of God and learning how to worship and learning how to pray, learning how to do just the basic things of Christianity, how are you going to survive in the age to come when you're ruling and reigning as a believer? It's quiet up in here. Just a thought. That was a freebie. Romans 8, 34 says this, Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes what? Intercession for us. Romans 8 tells us that he's our heavenly intercessor. This is more than just praying for you and I. He's doing more right now than just praying on your behalf. A heavenly intercessor. Look at Hebrews 3.1. says this, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. He is our heavenly intercessor, meaning that he is our heavenly high priest. He is our mediator between us and God. He is reconciling us to God. There is a huge gap between God and you. And the gap is called sin. 
And there is only one way to the Father. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one way through Jesus Christ. He is reconciling us. He is bringing us back to God. He's bridging that gap of sin, bringing us before the throne. We can come boldly before the throne of grace because of Christ, our propitiation. Christ, our sacrifice. He's become our high priest. Yeah, He's praying for you right now. He's praying, he's sitting, he's standing, he's walking through the heavenly paradise and he's praying, he's interceding for you right now. That's one component of being a heavenly intercessor and a heavenly high priest. We see throughout the New Testament, Paul praying on behalf of the, of the believers. That's what, it's just a picture, it's a type of Jesus praying for you. I pray, Jesus is praying right now, Father, I pray that you would keep them. You can, you can take a look in John chapter 16, 14, 15, 16, and take a look at the prayers of Jesus and what he's praying for you. Father, I pray that you would keep them. In this world, they'll have trials, but I pray that you'd keep them, that they would be guarded against the destruction of the enemy. Lord, when they are sifted, what did Jesus pray for Peter? When they are sifted, I pray that they will come out of this time of sifting and encourage the brethren. He's praying for you. He's praying for your job. He's praying for your business. He's praying for your life. He's praying and interceding right now that you'd be free from that addiction. He's praying and interceding right now that you'd be free from that bondage. He's praying and interceding right now that you would be free from that hurt and that failure. He's praying on your behalf. That's part of His heavenly ministry. He's interceding for you to the Father. But more than that, He's become your high priest. He's become your representative before God. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, when you go to court, let's say you, you've done, you've broken the law, you've gotten a speeding ticket or you've, whatever you've done, you go to court, you have to have someone that's representing you. You have a, an attorney. You have an advocate. There's someone who's representing you before the judge. They're pleading your case before the judge. Jesus is our advocate. He's come and He's pleading our case before the Father, I know that they're sinners. I know that they're wretched and their heart is full of everything evil and vile. But do you remember my sacrifice on the cross where you laid the sins of the world on me? I am standing on their behalf pleading their case. You know, we get so caught. Well, what if I fail? I feel like Jesus is telling me to do this. I feel the Holy Spirit prompting me to do this. What if I I fail. You've got a heavenly intercessor. You have a heavenly high priest who's got your back. He's standing there before the Father right now. Father, I pray that you would empower them. They need more of your Holy Spirit. Look at them. They're worshiping. They're, they're pressing in, coming into our presence by faith. And Let's bless them. Let's endue them with power. Let's give them grace. Let's pour out mercy on their life. Let's strengthen them and give them courage for the week ahead. That's the ministry of Jesus right now. He's doing that right now for you and I. And He's representing us before the Father. Oh yeah, I need, I don't know about you, but I need, I need a heavenly representative. I need someone who's acquainted with my weakness. I need 
true. I need someone who's acquainted with my weakness, my sin, my fallen nature, standing before the Father who is absolutely holy and perfect and just, saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. Father, heal them. Father, set them free. Father, deliver them. He's my heavenly high priest. Hallelujah. Not only is he standing there as our high priest saying forgive them. And he, he brings us into this relationship with the Father. I mean, how, how awesome. <laughs> how awesome that God looks at you. And all your addictions, and all your messes, and all your hurts, and all your anxieties, and all your fears, and all your shortcomings. Yeah, the, he's, Jesus is standing there looking at you, and it's all exposed before him. There's not one thing that Jesus doesn't see. All of it is exposed before Jesus right now. And he still, with compassion in his voice, looks at the Father and says, Father, have mercy. Father, would you be merciful? And he doesn't stop there. He says, now, we're gonna, now, that, now that they're in relationship, now that we have this, this heavenly romance with them, this heavenly dance, we've entered into this, this divine relationship. They've been restored to fellowship. Now we're going to transform them. Now we're going to change them. Now we're going to begin to go into the areas and the recesses of their heart and their life and their brokenness and their sin and their depravity and we're going to make them look more like me. Woo! <laughs> that ought to make you happy. I don't know about you, but not only does he, not only does Jesus come to, to man, but he comes to the lowest, the wretched, the, the most horrible of sinners. And he comes to you and I, not the princes and the nobles and the kings, but even lower than that, he comes to me, he comes to you, and he begins to change us. He begins to make us into his image. From glory to glory. From glory to glory. Well, I've got issues in my heart. Look around you. There's a room full of them. And from glory to glory, we're all being changed. I have a heavenly high priest. Yeah, I have a heavenly high priest. You know, it's awesome because as a pastor, one of the, and, and as believers, we're, we're discipling one another. This isn't just a pastor's role, but as believers, we're responsible for discipling and encouraging and exhorting and comforting one another. As a pastor, this is one of my primary responsibilities before the people of God is to, to equip them and to help them become who they're called to be, to become more like Christ, right? And so it's awesome because, you know, when you, when you confront people with their issues, what, what is our natural tendency? When we see our sin staring us in our face, when the mirror of the Word of God is put right before us, and, and your pastor or someone in leadership or a, another fellow believer sits beside you and says, you stink. You smell like the world. That doesn't look like Jesus. That looks like the devil. That looks like your old nature. That looks pretty carnal. That looks like unforgiveness. That looks like gossip. That looks like lying. That looks like envying. That looks like pride. 
Hello? It's getting quiet up in here. Y'all were excited when I was talking about a heavenly high priest. And we sit down in the issues. Jesus begins to use people to confront us with our issues. I want you to look more like me. And what's our first reaction? (laughs) That's not me, Jesus. Let's not go there. Let's not talk about that. What what will they think? I mean, if they only knew, what would they think? If they really saw the issue, if they really saw the sin that was in my heart, what would they think? Let me encourage you today. We have a heavenly high priest. You don't have to walk under the condemnation and the guilt of what was. You have a heavenly high priest who is advocating for you before the Father. Who cares what they think? Doesn't matter anyway. What does the Father think? What does Jesus think? What's written in His book about you? What's written in His book? I don't know what you're talking about. I see your name written in blood. And I see a record of good works that were done by faith. Your sin's been removed. It's been blotted out. It's been forgotten as far as the east is from the west. What are you talking about? What is the Father concerned about in the things of your life? Are you saying, Pastor, he's not concerned with my sin? I'm saying he absolutely is. He wants to blot it out. He wants to make you into a new person. He wants your ugly flesh to die. It's going to become like an incense before his nostrils. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. Absolutely, he wants you to die. He wants your carnal nature to die. But he, at the same time, is the high priest who is brought before the Father this wonderful sacrifice of our flesh. He is the perfect, ultimate sacrifice. But we offer ourselves as living sacrifices, Romans 12, before him. And Jesus, our high priest, comes and brings us before the Father, lays our carnality on the altar, and watches it burn. Watches the dross of our life get consumed in the holy fires of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, that is, that is the job of our high priest. In the Old Testament, the high priest would come and they would bring the sacrifice and they would slaughter the animal. They would separate the fat. They would do all of the preparations. It was a bloody job. It was a messy job. Today, it's still a bloody job. It's still a messy job. We're just not actually sacrificing real people We're just, or real animals or whatever. <laughs> We're just dealing... <laughs> Where there are a few, there are a few, there are some times I'm thinking, Lord, we can we lay them out? Ananias and Sapphira effect right now. Drop dead. We're not doing that these days, but there is, there's a sacrifice. There's a high priest. Christ is our high priest, and we are being sacrificed. Our flesh is being sacrificed by our high priest. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 says this, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. 
Hebrews 1.9 says, You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. That's a prophecy concerning Christ. God, your God. God has anointed you. Jesus, God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. In Acts chapter 2, in verse 33, it says, Therefore, everybody say, Therefore. That wasn't everybody. Everybody say, therefore. Therefore. There we go. Having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from who? The Father. He received Jesus. We're talking about Jesus. Ascended. Exalted to the right hand of God. Having received from the Father what? The promise of the Holy Spirit. He has poured forth this which you both see and hear. And Luke 24, 49 says, And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. Jesus was prophesying concerning what was to come. I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed. Some translations say endued with power from on high. Jesus is our heavenly baptizer in the Holy Spirit. His ministry is baptizing you, immersing you. That word baptizo means to be immersed in to a substance, immersed in to a person. When you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are being immersed into the Holy Spirit. Water baptism is a type and shadow of, of this. It is, a, it is a supernatural act. It is a powerful act. But it is also a type and shadow of immersion into God Himself. God wants, to, wants you to be immersed in to the Holy Spirit. Every part of you affected the fullness of Christ. Immersed in the Holy Spirit. He is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. It's interesting that Hebrews connects that you have been anointed with the oil of joy above all your companions. Hebrews notes this, this, this immersion, this baptism, this anointing that came upon Jesus. And it is connected in Acts 2, verse 33, that this oil of joy, this oil of a baptism of joy is connected to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's very interesting to me that, that the, the characteristics that are displayed here, that John the Baptist says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Hebrews, Paul talks about this oil of joy, this baptism of joy. This is, this is the immersion of God for your life. He wants you to be fully immersed. This isn't a one time, one dab will do you. Come down to the altar and get a dab on your forehead and it'll be okay. That's, that's, not, that's not enough. He wants you immersed every day of your life. Baptized. Immersed in to the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, Be being filled. Be continually filled with the Holy Ghost. There is a continual baptism that you and I can partake in. Every day. You don't have to walk in fear. You can walk in the baptism in the Holy Ghost. You don't have to walk in anxiety. You can walk with the boldness and the courage that comes and the joy that comes in the Holy Spirit. People say, I don't understand the joy. Get immersed into the person of the Holy Ghost and you'll get it. 
You'll begin to understand it. All of a sudden, things will look a little different. The Word of God will read different. It'll come alive. The Spirit who inspired the very words in the Word of God will cause those things to leap off the page into your spirit, man. Worship will become a whole new experience for you. All of a sudden, instead of worshiping, being about a style, or about what you like, or the best song of the day, or the performance of the band, all of a sudden, worship will be a joyful experience about the one who's baptizing you. It'll be about the one who's your heavenly high priest. All of a sudden, you'll see him in his glory. You'll, have you seen the one that I love? You've seen him, and you can't help but worship with joy and exuberance because you've seen something real. You're living in a real substance person of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is not some ooky, spooky, green ectoplasm floating through the air that you've got to go get Ghostbusters to capture. The Holy Spirit is a person. You're being immersed into a person. He wants to saturate you. If you have a problem, a sin problem, get immersed. If you've got a fear problem, be immersed. If you've got an anxiety problem, get immersed. If you've got a forgiveness problem, get your forgiveness issue on the altar and be immersed. <laughs> Amen. Be immersed. The baptism in the Holy Spirit becomes the gateway. It becomes the door of all of the blessings of the Lord in your life. It becomes the, becomes the open door to a whole other world of spiritual blessing. Let me pause before I jump into that. The Holy Spirit, speaking of walking in the Spirit, just caught my attention. Just as I turned, I, I just heard him say, but yep, there are those that think that I've rejected them. You have a heavenly high priest. Yeah. Let me go back to point number two. Yeah. You have a heavenly high priest who is sitting in heaven right now. What is his heavenly ministry? He is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He's your advocate before the Father. Do you think he's rejected you? No, he is the reason why you're still breathing. He's the one who's sustaining every step of your life. He's the one that's caused you to be here today listening to this crazy preacher tell you you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So no, He has not rejected you. He is the one that's advocating for you to receive. It's our own stubbornness that gets in the way of our reception. You, how many of you remember those old bunny ear things on the top of the TVs? I might be, some of you might be too young to, good Lord, I feel old as I'm talking about this. Like I can't believe I'm old enough to have had those on our TV. We had this old TV and you had to adjust the bunny ears. And if the bunny ears, we had a big antenna outside of our house. And you had to, inju you had to adjust the bunny ears just right. And if the bunny ears weren't right, you'd still have static. Some of you have static issues. The bunny ears haven't been adjusted right. It's got static issues. Say, so what are you talking about? Your receiver's broken. <laughs> We've, we get born again by faith, and sometimes we think everything after that operates by works. 
At some point, we're born again by faith, but at some point, works kicks in. I have to be good enough. I have to be acceptable enough. Jesus has to love me enough. I have to do enough to prove myself. The same gift of salvation that you receive by faith, the baptism in the Holy Spirit operates the same way. It's a free gift you receive by faith. Stop making it harder than what it is. I, you know, it's funny because I've watched, I've, you know, I've grown up in a Pentecostal church. And through the years, I've watched things like, you got to hit their, you know, you got people praying for people, got to hit their mouth, you got to jerk their lips, you got to, I've seen all the weirdness, I've been there. I've seen it. You got to shake enough, jerk enough, shake their hands enough, pray, you know, hold their hands up long enough. You know, we, we come up with all these formulas. Anybody seen that before? A couple of you. I guess I'm dating myself again. Um, we, we come up with all these formulas. In order to receive from God, you've got to enough. Just say hallelujah, 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 ten times fast. You know, it used to be, who stole my Honda, you know, untie my, untie my bow tie, you know, all that stuff. You, you just, all the foolishness out there. Just receive. Stop striving. Just calm down. Take a deep, I'll, don't be offended. I'll change. Don't leave. It's so simple. Just receive. You don't have to be offended and walk out. You just come to the altar. <laughs> just come to the altar. And just say, Lord, hear my I need more. The other thing about the baptism in the Holy Spirit is this. Jesus will not come down. I'm going to pick on Mike. And grab your mouth. And start, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's not how this works. It's not how this works. Now, I've seen people, I have seen people get completely overwhelmed. And it seems like that that's what's happening. But their mouth, they are moving their mouth. When I pray in the Spirit, my brain tells my mouth, you're going to move. My brain does not tell my mouth what to say. My spirit tells my mouth what to say. Proven scientific fact. When people pray in tongues, it is not originating in their brain. The voice components of your brain is dead, not working. It is initiated out of your spirit, man. My brain does not tell my mouth what to say, but I am yielding my mouth to the Lord, and I am speaking spirit-inspired words. It may sound like absolute baby gibberish at first. What am I saying? And your brain kicks in. Your, your voice... Components of your brain are connecting with your hearing components of your brain. And your brain starts saying, this is not right. You sound like a dummy. <laughs> but your spirit man is alive. Your spirit man, you were created to live as a spirit being in a body. You are a spirit being in a body. When you die, your body is going to turn to dust. But your spirit man is still living. So it's time to start learning to live like a spirit being. Not, now don't, tell, don't, don't get weird and hokey on me. I'm not telling you to go be 
spiritually hokey because I said be a spirit being. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, be spiritual. Be scriptural. But live the word of God. The baptism in the Holy Spirit opens up the door to many things. Spirit blessings. Gifts of the Spirit. Nine gifts of the Spirit. Ephesians talks about speaking psalms and hymns and singing spiritual songs over one another. It talks about making melody in our heart. Do you, do you stay grumpy all day? Get baptized in the Holy Ghost. There will be melody in your heart. Are you, does, your, does your spouse tell you you are a crank? <laughs> You're a nag? You ever heard of those things? Get baptized in the Holy Ghost. There will be melody in your heart. Don't hit your neighbor. I saw that. Just tell them to get baptized in the Holy Honey, I, I'm going to, this is the best Mother's Day gift ever, honey. I'm going to invite you to come to the altar with me. And we're going to pray together. And you're going to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Better than a diamond ring, I promise. If you're critical, get baptized in the Holy Ghost. He'll make you thankful. <laughs> he'll give you power for evangelism I don't have courage or boldness to do I could never talk get baptized in the Holy Ghost he'll give you courage you'll start saying things that you never thought you'd say you start doing things you never thought you'd do and then you'll look back and say what in the world am I doing and you'll realize it's, it's God it's the Holy Ghost working through you this is the importance of continual hunger, continual thirsting, continually. Continue. Everybody say continually. continually. Everybody say more. more. Every day you need more. Continually. Yeah, every day, that's right. Every day you need more. Continually being filled. Why? Because you are a leaky vessel. You need to be filled up every day. You are carnal, ugly thing. Well, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost 50 years ago and I prayed in tongues and I haven't done it since. You have grown crusty. Yeah. I promise you. Get filled. Get filled. Let the Holy Ghost fill you afresh. This was not a one-time experience you could check off your checklist. I'm Pentecostal because I prayed 50 years ago in tongues. This is not how that works. Pentecost, being a Spirit-filled believer is every day. Every day of our life. Thank God you prayed in tongues 50 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years, five, however long ago it was. But did you do it yesterday? Did you do it today? How are you praying? Paul said, I pray in tongues more than you all. That's a big challenge. That's what it says in the Bible, y'all. It's in the Southern Study Version. It also says things like, go out yonder. (laughs) (laughs) Got to corporately receive, personally receive, and we got to corporately receive. That's why laying on of hands is so important. You know, we have altar calls every week. Don't be shy to come to the altar. We could be given a salvation altar call and you need more of the Lord, you come to the altar and say, I just need more of the Lord. We'll lay hands on you. Why? Because there's an impartation that happens. This is basic Bible. This is Hebrews 6 says this is a foundational doctrine. 
Very basic. Laying on of hands. Remember Peter and his shadow? That there's such an anointing that people were healed demons. Paul's garments and clothes. The anointing of the Lord is transferable. There's tangibility to the anointing, the presence, the power of God. Get under the influence. If you're getting under the influence of the power and the presence of God in your personal life, if you're receiving from the Lord in your personal life, there'll be no embarrassment in receiving in public. But if you're not doing it privately, you definitely won't do it publicly. Good preaching, pastor. That's why anytime there's an altar call, I promise you, Bob Evans will wait. I haven't talked about Bob Evans in a while. Bob Evans will wait. Cracker Barrel will wait. Eaton Park will wait. They're not going, Lord have mercy. If you eat at Eaton Park, you need deliverance. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) I got sick. I literally got sick eating there. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Neither here nor there. They'll wait to get at the altar. Get at the altar and just receive. Well, I don't want to fall on the floor. Then sit on the front row. Lay down, and then you won't fall. You'll just assume the position. Just lay down, and then you don't have to worry about falling. Well, I don't, and then you got the other extreme of people. Well, I don't fall. Is there something wrong with me? Lay down. Problem solved. I mean, it goes both ways. I mean, really, the solution goes both ways. Sit in the front row. I mean, really, I've, I've said this a million times. If it was all about, I say this all the time, if it was all about falling, we just all line up, count one, two, three, fall down, go home. Sunday church is done. We all fell down. I just want you to come under the influence of the presence and the power of God. When that happens, sometimes you can't stand up. I find myself... It's hard for me as I'm praying for people at times to stand up. There are times when the anointing, the presence of God gets so heavy. I I mean, there have been times I have literally been carried through a prayer line because the presence of God is so so heavy that I I couldn't even stand. Someone had to actually stand for me. Talking about the thick heaviness of the glory of God. Do you think people who are in that prayer line are getting something? If I'm that incapacitated, I hope so. You say, well, I, you know, sometimes people say, well, I, don't, I get up off the floor and I don't know that necessarily anything's changed. I don't feel different. You know, I haven't heard of thus says the Lord while I was laying on the floor. Yeah, but there is something happening in your life. When you get under the influence, when you put yourself intentionally in a place to be influenced by his presence and his power intentionally, there will be change. It might be gradual change. But there will be change. You'll find yourself. It'll look like this. You'll come down to the altar. And you'll get touched by the Lord. You may end up on the floor. Whatever. You may shake, jerk, laugh, cry. Whatever. Whatever happens. But you get touched by the Lord. You go home. And all of a sudden you have a new hunger. A new desire in your heart to read the word. And that, that hunger. That desire to read the word is stirred up in you. Just by that one moment. In the presence of the Lord. What you've tried to do for years. You've tried to read the Word for years and never could get into it. You've tried to study for years and just never could figure it out. You've tried and tried and tried. Nothing worked. But one moment in His presence stirred a hunger to read the Word. And you can go home and you could feed your spirit man or you could feed the dead dog. What do you mean, Pastor? You can go home and you can privately receive from what corporately happened. 
and say, I'm going to go home and I'm going to study the word. I'm going to get in the word of God and begin to feed this hunger. I'm going to begin to feed this hunger and the hunger grows. The desire grows and it stirs. Or you can feed the dead dog. Nope, I'm not going to go home and do that. The Lord just did that. I'm going to be a horrible steward of what he just did in my life. And I'm going to go home and eat chips on the couch and watch the TV show I shouldn't be watching. You just fed the dead dog. This is just basic spiritual life. You can come down to the altar and God minister to you and, and speak to you and change you, stir something in your heart about falling in love with Him, worshiping in Him. And instead of going home and turning on the worship music, you go turn on <laughs> whoever. <laughs> whoever, let's go listen to this crazy band. Woo! And you'll be sitting in my office next week saying, I don't understand why I just have a bad temper. I don't understand why I have horrible thoughts. I don't understand why I just can't seem to get the victory. Anybody hear what I'm saying? Well, stop feeding the dead dog. Feed your spiritual man. Receive from the Lord corporately. Go home and receive from the Lord privately. Let him stir up the word in you. Let him stir up worship. Well, pastor, you have a problem with secular music. I don't have a desire for secular music. Who wants to sing about dead dog stuff? That's just my phrase today, dead dog. Who wants, who wants all that? I mean, really, why do you want to go indulge yourself in the world when you have the delicacies of heaven? I don't... Well, pastor, do you... I mean, you can go on all the what-ifs. Just get over yourself. Let me just say, if you're stuck on the what-ifs and you're going down the list of, well, do you do this or do you don't do this or do you do this? Or do, you've missed the whole point. You've missed the whole point. Just step in and receive. Lord, I need more of you. Well, what happens when I have hands laid on me? Receive. Has nothing to do with me. Has absolutely nothing to do with any of our ministers who are laying hands. You're receiving from the Lord. We just happen to be the conduit. Just happens to be the hose, the pipeline through which it's coming. There are times when it feels like God's turned the hose full on. And you're like, whoa! What just hit me? And then there's other times it's just gentle. But we just become vessels. And then you, the great thing about this is what happens is, let me share a secret. Can I tell you a secret? This is awesome. You get to become the vessel. If you're receiving and taking in, you now have something to pour out. You become the vessel. You become the person that God will minister through. So what's happening as we're praying for people and ministering to people, you're watching and you're learning and you're observing how to take what God's doing here and do likewise out there. Amen? Amen. He's the heavenly baptizer in the Holy Ghost. I've got one more point. I know what time it is. Just bear with me. I want to give you this because I just got to wrap this up. He's awaiting. Jesus is awaiting the wedding feast. He's sitting in heaven and he's waiting for the day when his father says, it's time. (laughs) And there's a shout from heaven and the trumpet call of God goes forth. And there's coming a day, friend. I, I have reservations at that marriage feast. I hope you do. 
In Mark chapter 14, verse 25, it says, Assuredly, I say to you, Jesus says, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-six, 26, it says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And in Revelation 19, I love this picture. This is the wedding feast, the marriage feast in heaven right here. <laughs> There's coming a day, friend. I hope you're ready. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and His wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And then He said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And He said to me, These are the true sayings of God. Verse 11, now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. We jump from this scene. We see this scene of the marriage supper where the, the wedding feast is happening, where the saints have been arrayed in fine linen. We see this picture and it doesn't, it doesn't immediately go to this big feast. It immediately goes to this. Now I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. And the armies in heaven, who are the armies of heaven? You and I. And the armies in heaven clothed in that fine wedding garment linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword and that he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod iron he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty god and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords the marriage supper the marriage supper It'll be a day of recompense. It will be a day of judgment. It'll be, oh yeah, it'll be a day of celebration. It'll be a day of celebration for you and I because everything, everyone, every person, everything that has hindered our love and our relationship with God, everything that has tried to sidetrack us, out of His Word will go a sword and slay them all. day of judgment, a day of recompense. Revelation 21.9. I want to wrap up with this. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me saying, come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, ascending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. 
And she had a great and high wall with twelve gates and twelve angels at the gates, and the names written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. But I saw no temple, verse 22, in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of sun or of moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day, there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it, but there shall be by no means enter into it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those, only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Only those. There is, Isaiah prophesied, a highway of holiness where only those who are living in holiness go. And it leads to the city where the Lamb is the eternal light. Oh, it's leading us. Those whose names who are written in the Lamb's book of life. How is it today with your soul? Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.